Hey guys, it's Schnickerman here. Today we're going to try something new. Um, this is going to be the first episode of my podcast called Schnickcast. And on this podcast, I want to focus on having interviews with my friends about games that they're really passionate about. And if I'm into the game, we can have a nice discussion. And if I'm not super into the game, I'll ask questions about why they enjoy that game and what they want to see with the game going forward. Um, the first episode, I interview my friend... Zeta, who is a really big Final Fantasy VIII fan, as well as myself. And for this specific episode, we targeted talking about Final Fantasy VIII as if it was going to get a Final Fantasy VII remake-style game, and what we would expect to see from mechanics and different things like that, and just overall what we would want to see from a Final Fantasy VIII remake. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here it is. So first we're going to talk about the actual story of Final Fantasy VIII, and I want to mention that for the remake of VII, um, they, they do have some liberty to change things around a little bit, and also to add in additional scenes to clarify things and just add more detail into the story overall. So I guess first we could say, um, maybe where do we think they can add in little details that we think would improve the story overall? Uh, adding in little bits of lore um the so, idea with guardian forces and those little flashback scenes of uh just memories of the past yeah and maybe even just more insight into what the guardian forces are where they came from yeah how I they came would, into existence right a lot more too yeah that would be super cool because I feel like in most Final Fantasy games, summons are like gods, right? And they might, you know, you can just kind of like harness their power, right? But Guardian yeah. Forces are a little different. And obviously there's a whole mechanic involved in it or they have an effect on the player. So maybe more to see that duality of like, they're extremely powerful, but obviously like it takes a toll on your body and why does it do that? Or maybe they're making a deal with these people. Like they're you know, the guardian forces are like deities and it's like the only way you can harness their power is if you sacrifice something. Right. Well, um, one thing I just remembered, um, that was, that wasn't very detailed in explanation that I think could open up a lot more of, um, a deep dive into it. If they do decide to go that route when they're all at the basketball court at, um, Travia garden yeah. selfie talks about how, um, either it's either there or it's at the, the, um, the beach of the orphanage where she talks about how she found a guardian force when she mm -hmm. was young. Yeah. But it was, but it was never really explained further than that. Yeah. And we should I get like more detail. Definitely. Of what it is. How did she find the guardian it? Forces yeah. Are, yeah. I feel like could go into that. And maybe in saying that guardian forces are used around the garden for, um, creation purposes or fixing things or stuff like that. I think in yeah. having that and kind of, ingraining guardian forces used with um Balam garden trabia garden and galbadia garden and or or even just Balam garden and uh would it, i feel like explain more about why 90 percent most of the cast has is having these memory issues from their time at the orphanage sure i think that's that's good and Honestly, as soon as we started talking about it, I was like, yeah, 100%, because it's like, 
guardian forces are a pretty big role in the game whether it's gameplay actually fighting with them or the story and you really don't know anything about them and they never really explain much of anything so yeah I th that's one thing I, I i mean there's one thing i like about the game is that all of those mechanics they actually tried to put it into the story yeah i just don't in retrospect, I don't think it was done as well as it could have been. Yeah, I, I agree. If they were to remake this game, this would be the chance to mm -hmm. to give more backstory on Guardian Forces, who who they are, what they come from, how they came to be, and just more on the drawing system, junction system, and really just um, ironing over those details. More information about Laguna, more information about Adea, more information about Ultimisia, if they yeah. can figure that one out too. I feel like they can really just dig more into the lore of the game and yeah. the story of the game and give subtle hints to it. Yeah, they could honestly add so much content to the game just by explaining mechanics that are already there, like drawing. Let's take drawing, for example. It's like, in what world, like, what are they doing to take the magic from the enemies? Like, what's what's the idea there, right? Obviously, it's a game mechanic, but they can turn that into something in this world and create more of a a nice picture about the world that you're you're playing a character in, right? Yeah, and they can yeah. even say that Guardian Forces allow us to pull magic. Yeah, exactly. From from resources or enemies and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Parts of the Earth or parts of the planet or whatever. I don't, I don't think we actually know oh, whether they're the on street. Earth. So one thing I was thinking as well is. For the actual story, I did mention that the story can be a little bit confusing. So I'm also wondering if maybe they can clean it up a bit by adding in additional scenes that might clarify for the actual player, but not show the characters. Because I think the twists that the game have is really crucial to the actual story. Because yeah. there's a reason why the characters don't remember things and this and that, right? But maybe there are scenes that they can do like a flashback that might show the player of the game what's going on a little bit earlier on um, or just hint at certain things. So it's not so much of a um, twist because I think players might just be super confused. Yeah. So, I mean, especially with regards to Adea and her backstory. Mm -hmm. um, I can I can definitely see a lot of people being confused about what's going on especially once you beat her in galbadia garden then immediately okay now a day is good now there's a yeah, new, exactly. new person in ultimisia so now it's there's so and even then you don't exactly know who it is you just see like a flash of her right overtaking renoa so there there is a lot of like a lot of small details that cause a lot of confusion my question then though is how how can you shore up that kind of stuff yeah See, i mean there's no there's no real way to introduce ultimisia as a character pre-disc three mm -hmm. absolutely no way no one's gonna know about ultimisia because the only person who does is adea yeah but they can that's the thing is they can they can take a little bit of a change there they can add something in because like my example is for the remake again it's it's like they're they're adding in additional things which might not necessarily be 
canon to the original. However, if you think about the fan base, somebody like you and me, we already know the story, right? So regardless what they do, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to affect my enjoyment of the game necessarily, right? Yeah. But I'm just thinking, again, if if you think about a like a mainstream audience that's going to want to enjoy this game and guaranteed they wouldn't make it unless they were sure that people are going to be able to follow the story, they might have to make tweaks. And so I, I think that that would definitely be something they might do, especially where you mentioned it as well. Um, but yeah. So I, I feel like this is probably going to be one of the more... Um controversial okay sure but the whole guardian forces making them forget with how little it was mentioned early on of the the price of using guardian forces for it to just kind of be brought up when it was when they when after they freed a daya or no right before they freed a daya um how all of that just kind of appeared out of nowhere well i think that that's something that they can hint at early on now right that's what i was gonna say for sure not only that i feel like they could probably take that a step further like maybe they can have a flashback because another thing that um and i'm gonna get back to what i was about to say but another thing that they never really showed was had they had had they had access to guardian forces before the events of final fantasy 8 like uh, when they first got the garden, were they using guardian forces, or was it just like, oh, the game starts and now you have Quetzalcoatl and Shiva, and now you're forgetting everything? Like, yeah. if they if they have like some kind of a, maybe they show something to that. But um, what I was gonna say was, um, maybe in the first time that you're acquiring guardian forces, yeah, they cut to a flashback of uh, a memory that that character's forgetting. And yes. Then you can maybe cut to the orphanage and it would kind of pique a little bit of interest. Like, oh, what's this? That's, oh, this looks like an orphanage. That's like exactly what I was thinking. Is they this, can cut to a flashback. Yeah. Kid Squall. It's like like Squall picks up Shiva or like whatever and then he uses it and then it, after the battle you just like go into a flashback where he it's just like a memory of him. And they're not specifically saying that that it, it makes you forget things, but exactly. eventually over time, you're like, wait a second. These are things that they're like forgetting every and single time when that they Irvine do it. Bring, brings up that plot twist of, Oh, these things are making us forget. And then right. you learn about the price of using guardian forces. Yeah. And exactly. I think that would be a good way to hint at, um, major plot points without explicitly giving them away. Yeah. And without giving away the fact that Guardian Forces are the cause of it. Exactly. It, yeah, they have It'll to be careful about that Guardian part. Forces yeah. being involved if for people who would um, who would kind of pick up on patterns more likely. Uh, or if they just show it at the beginning of the game when you pick up Quizakotl and Shiva and then nothing else after. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of sense because, like, the Orphanage is obviously a key thing. But yeah, imagine yeah. when when... Like, even, let's just say just for Squall, when Squall uses the Guardian Force the first time, they show a flashback of the orphanage, and you get a little bit of a peek. And then later when they're like, hey, we all knew each other before, we just don't remember. Then it's like, whoa, I get it, I get it. Like, that's why we saw that flashback, right? 
and then you're like okay that makes sense because even for me playing it for the first time i was like what is going on like i have no idea what's going on and then i'm like they knew each other and i'm like anyway so yeah so um, i'm gonna say the first time i played the game is when i was eight there was no way i was yeah that yeah story. like and i was, I, yeah. I was so hooked on the game mechanics i thought it was really fun and yeah. all these battles and I just really enjoyed it. And then when I got older and started to really follow the story, uh, then I started to kind of pick up on more things like that. But that's what I'm saying. I think that doing little things like that is like, it can help a younger audience actually understand the actual story. Right. Definitely. Because that, especially for one that can be, that can be very confusing. Yes. And it's almost like notoriously known for being wacky and hard to understand when you're playing the game. Um, Mostly the junction system, I feel yeah. like, is probably people's biggest uh, turn off with eight. But the story would probably be the second, um, the second most confusing thing in the game. Okay. Uh, from the perspective of somebody who isn't a fan of eight. For the story overall, do we think that any of the major plot points or anything involving the main story needs to be really changed at all, or do we think that? can kind of coexist and they'll add in additional parts to clarify on certain things i don't think you change the main story i think you just expand on it right. give a little more hints and make it a little bit more easy easily comprehended okay yeah that makes sense um and if we obviously final fantasy 7 remake is going to be multiple games we don't know how many games maybe three maybe four maybe five um do you think that if we added all these additional story into the game that we could justify making it one game or perhaps taking out certain elements? I know that you'll say no to that, but um, if you had to make it into multiple games, what would you what would you think about doing that? I mean, there might be some parts that you can take out. What would you think? Um, you can maybe cut down on the uh, the boat ride to Dalit. Okay. I don't think that needs to be as big as it was. Although it did lead into a really awesome cutscene, in my opinion. Um, I feel like you could still probably have that cutscene, though. But okay. just that dialogue doesn't need to be there, um, in my opinion. But it does add a little of, uh, a little flavor, a little character development. Not development, but shows the characters of Cypher and Zell a bit and how hot-headed Zell is and how Cypher sure. is just a prick. But again, um, they could they could do that in another scene just as easily. Yeah, That's they the could thing. Do that in other yeah. ways. I mean, they do it throughout the Dalit mission anyway. But yeah. yeah, there there could be I feel like small things that don't take away from the main story that can be cut out. Yeah. But in all honesty, I would just like to see things expanded on. Yeah, and I, I it's weird. I I don't think the actual core story events of eight are that that long. Um. I think if you streamlined a bunch of them, you could maybe somehow try to fit it into a more recent gaming RPG experience time. Um, but again, what do I know? Uh, I mean, I could probably list through the main plot points of eight very quickly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There aren't really that many main plot points. And obviously there's a lot to explore and a lot to do. But... The story itself is not that complicated, and it's it's fairly straightforward. So, it's not as complicated as it seems. Yes, it, that's what I'm there's saying. So, there's there's a lot of moving parts. Is the is what makes it seem more complicated than it is. Right, and I think I, we I can. 
we can put some of those parts into these side things that you may have to go out of your way to find out, right? Yeah, so with regards to a day in Ultimecia, you'd have to understand the Sorceress War and how Sorceresses pass on their powers. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, you kind of end up finding like that that loop without giving away the, the like the main. I mean I might be giving away major major spoilers for the end of the game but understanding the sorceress war how sorceress pass on their powers um would allow for a little bit more understanding in regards to that but if you don't understand that stuff then it just seems like i it just can be very confusing and characters start appearing out of nowhere yeah yeah that's true um last question if you had to split the game into two or multiple parts what would you suggest as being the parts that you would select as the ending for the first part i think you keep the first part as the entire first disc okay i feel yeah, like i think that could that work with the day of impaling squall with the icicle on the right side of his body mind you through the shoulder is a is a great stopping point for uh for disc one yeah or for part one and um, I, the, obviously the game takes a pretty decent shift after that as well um yeah. so it would definitely be kind of a cool cliffhanger which is like cliffhanger the game's been out for so long but obviously the people that are playing the remake would most of them would not be aware of the original story but yeah also with today's graphical power yeah i would love to see that scene detailed it would be amazing i would love to just see even if they didn't make a remake of the game but they just turned it into like a movie just like 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 they did with like advent children obviously advent children is not seven but like if they just made like a nice movie for eight that would still be that would make me very happy I mean, but, just just the main storyline elements of eight and make it a movie. I would watch yeah. it over and over. Well, you joke around about that, honestly. I mean, you don't joke around about it, but they they actually did that with the Dragon Quest game. I forget exactly which one it is. It's on Netflix, and it's actually really good. So, I mean, they could definitely do it. I think it's um, not out of the it's not out yeah, of the cards not, yet. Yeah, exactly. So. The main thing I think for this for me would be like if if you haven't played Final Fantasy VIII, there is an interweaving story with secondary characters that is taking place, and then in the end of the game, the two time like let's call it timelines, even though they're not timelines, but they're just two different character groups of character stories. They eventually meet up at a certain point at the end of the game, um, but because of this. Part, parts of the game you're kind of forced to play this alternate story so do we think that if they do a remake like this would this be something that would remain the same or would they mess with it at all because i think that they would probably have to in some sense um what do you think well the laguna storyline i think is very integral to the story so for sure that's what i'm saying to, yeah with regards to keeping it in yes do they change it I'm not saying maybe. change the story necessarily. No, I think no, that not, the way I'm not saying change yeah. the story either, but maybe change it up a little bit, maybe have it so that um I mean, for me the biggest thing 
was when you would go from the main party to Laguna's party and then back to the main party yeah. that now you might find that some characters just lost all their junctions. I think keeping that on them. Yeah, that uh, would definitely if, make if sense. If they continue with the junction system in the way that it is now, um, fixing that up, I think would be fine. Um, but I mean, more or less, I don't really know any way to improve on uh the laguna storyline not the storyline but like the mechanics around it yeah again i'm thinking it just might be something that a more mainstream audience might not be they might not want to switch characters like i know for example the first thing i think about is like kingdom hearts 2 where you start as roxas and you play as roxas for a few hours and then all of a sudden you're just not roxas anymore and you're forced to play sora and that just felt really bad so what I'm kind of proposing here, and we can get your opinion, I don't think it would be a perfect system, but there are some games where like maybe you get to a certain point in the game and it opens up an option and you can go in your menu and select Laguna's story and then just say, okay, right now I'm going to play through chapter one of Laguna's story. And I, I'm not sure if it would mean like you don't necessarily have to play it, but in order to be like, like at least there would be some flexibility when you could start it, to not be like, oh, I'm all of a sudden I can't play with Squall anymore. You know what I mean? Like maybe you could be like, as long as you play it within a certain time frame. Or again, I mean, technically, if you didn't know anything about Laguna, yeah, it would obviously take away from the story um, a little bit. But then he would show up later anyway. And yeah, maybe they could implement it like that. Again, it's like an additional thing that obviously if you are a fan of the first game, you would definitely play it. But it they wouldn't force you to play it they would just say like you received laguna chapter one and then you'd be like okay i'm gonna play that right now or no i'm gonna wait a little bit and play it later that's the only thing i was thinking so my thing is those transitions from the main party to playing as laguna i almost would feel is essential to the story with regards to alone's powers Hmm. and yeah. then finding out that laguna is the president of Estar. yeah again but this is also considering that the story is going to stay exactly the same as well but i could i feel like i uh with using flashbacks mm -hmm. in a sense they could kind of um yeah you could get around it for sure in it, different it ways it, would, it wouldn't necessarily be a flashback but it would kind of be like it would give the the player more knowledge mm -hmm. on laguna without right. the uh characters themselves which then having those characters when they reach those um those plot twists the character in game will have a reaction to it but the player i don't i don't know if it would make the the player more expectant of it but my thinking is when you pick up the timber maniacs magazines sure that they they show like a, a small snippet of laguna's life with regards to uh, what's going on in there? Yeah, absolutely. Being I think that was a good way. an editor for Timber Maniacs at some point in his life. Yeah, that could be a way of doing it too. You could just be like, "Oh, you got Timber Maniacs issue one. Do you want to play it now?" And you could yeah, be like, I mean, "Yeah, no, I don't care." Right? right? You can have. I think at that point you can have the Timber Maniacs as not a consumable item, but maybe like a key item that yeah, will yeah. show you a video. That's or what I mean. You, yeah. or, or tell you information about Laguna and absolutely. who he is, and then. I think that way it might weave in a little bit more when you first 
become Laguna's party in uh, when you're heading to Galbadia. Right. And I'm also thinking, like, imagine all these modern games that have, like, audio logs that you can listen to or not listen to at any given time. If you want to listen to it, you're obviously going to learn the nitty-gritty parts about the story, maybe some things that they don't want to tell the general audience, but if you want to go out of your way and listen to it, you can. Yeah, I think we can both agree that um, one thing they can do with the story without drastically changing it is just expanding on the lore, but also making it a little bit more accessible to people who are new to the story. Because my other second thought for the whole Laguna thing is that can do something like almost exactly what you said give snippets or videos or flashbacks of the main things because if you think about the combat aspect of like lagoon and the gang you don't necessarily need the combat elements you can still tell the story the same way if you want through video um and then i was thinking again and it's like the way that things work these days do you remember final fantasy 15 they had dlcs for each character you could just get like a Laguna DLC that would actually go through step by step his whole story. But yeah, I mean, I mean, potentially, if you do take out the combat elements, then at least yeah. have like have the main story cinematics because there there are they're good scenes uh, that you need to you need yeah, to show the Centra, the Centra ruins. Those combats actually play into the story. Um, right. And you could just well show them the fighting. Right. Pandora. Yeah. Um, not the lunatic Pandora, but in uh, Odin's lab when he was taken prisoner. In yeah, Esfone. yeah. At the end, that that part's really pivotal. Um, but yeah, I think that would be interesting. And then they could be like, "Oh, here's the video." And then it's like, "Oh, and if you want to play Laguna's full story, ten ninety nine, baby." A little bit more money. Yeah, you can play Laguna's. But it's story. like again, it's like I don't blame companies for that either because I like think about how much work that would be extra too it's like yeah obviously you have to make the character models you have to give them their special attacks and you know what i mean because essentially even though so again for people who might not understand like the three characters you play act similarly to your party and you can swap you can basically swap all of the items and junctions that they have to those other characters but they still have their own weapons and own like attack animations and everything so that definitely is way more work that they would have to do just for those few scenes in the game that they have to have. So that's why I'm thinking about it from a DLC aspect in that case. I mean, me personally, I would rather just see I w- all of that Pete- stuff be part of the base game. But <laughs> but whatever they decide to do, they I know, decide I know. to do. So. Um, okay. I just don't want to give them any ideas. Just don't Outside give them any ideas. The yes. Outside of improving the game, I don't want to give yeah. them any ideas for DLC. So let's use that as a segue into the next topic, which is junction system. Um, okay, so Zeta, do you think that you can give a very basic introduction on the the junction system? Try try your best. So, the junction system in Final Fantasy VIII was, I mean, essentially, it was VIII's response to the materia system of seven, but. For people that know how to abuse it, it's it's how you break the game literally in the first 20 minutes of playing. Okay, let's keep it to the basics, though. So let's just generally um, explain so what it is. So when you acquire Guardian Forces, you have to junction them to, to different characters. And you can, junk, you can switch the junctions between characters. 
you can have Shiva and Squall and then partway through the game, okay, I want uh, Shiva on Zell and so on and so forth. Um, you can junction the Guardian Forces, which allows your team to use different abilities in battle because without them, all they can do is basic attacks. Once the uh, Guardian Forces are junctioned, you can then junction magical spells onto stats, attributes, um, you can have it so that you take reduced damage or even heal from uh, specific elements, um, as well as nullifying certain status ailments um, as you get later and later in the game. Right. Uh, I, I mean, essentially, that's the that's the gist of the the junction system. Yeah, and I will also add in that this is kind of also Final Fantasy VIII's answer to like having armor and stuff. So yeah. rather than accumulate um, gradually increasing armor that has better stats over the course of the game, you're essentially getting better and better spells that you're junctioning to your guardian forces that's making your character stronger. Um, so, but that's only regards to specifically armor because right. they did keep in weapon upgrades. Exactly. Which, that's why. Yeah, that's why I said armor specifically. Which for because... which for certain stats you can junction spells too but it you're almost better off upgrading your weapons when it comes to increasing like accuracy and um and like hit percent chance and things like that right and then you would be for junctioning spells okay so now that we talked about the basics let's talk about how we can number one they're not gonna make it so it's easily broken. I can guarantee that. Yeah, they, they um, have to really. And how up. how could we like let's present an idea of how we could implement this more intuitively? Um, I think at least what jumps out at me is maybe like when you obtain a guardian force, there's kind of like a level tree that's associated with that that you can maybe unlock certain branches to if you put specific. Um, like magic into it or something like along those lines. So it's more visual, but it's kind of like the similar concept, you know, it's like, Oh, if you put in this material in this slot, it might give you like plus 20, whatever. Right. That's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. So, I mean, in all honesty, if you want to not break the, the junction system, it has to be separated from cards because that was the main way that people could okay. break. Yeah, the we'll game we'll, we'll talk about cards later. So let let's let's keep but it at that. Without without that, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess Guardian Forces abilities to like specifically the the magic refining ones. The, see, that's the that's the thing. It's such a hard thing to figure out because. A lot of that stuff is integral to really um, take advantage of what the game has to offer. Right. So let let's say that, for example, they keep drawing, and obviously because it's really the only way to obtain spells, right? So yeah. you can draw spells, but I'm more saying like, how do we present the junction system? I'm not talking about even all this extra stuff that you can exploit it and use it for. I'm more saying, how do we, how do you make it easy for somebody to understand the junction system and to use it, right? Because again, you're going for a really general audience. I, I know when I played yeah. as a kid, I didn't understand the junction system. I didn't use it. I did not use it. I didn't get very far I, in the game. You know what I mean? 
yeah i do want to clarify though at this point when i am saying take advantage of yeah. i'm not saying take advantage of to the fullest i'm just saying to um use it to your advantage for a newer player who doesn't okay. understand all of it right. um I mean, yeah, when we get to cards, I can talk about how cards and card mod just breaks the junction system in general. But, um, I mean, the tutorial that talks about junctioning magic to stats yeah. could be um, a little bit more in-depth and uh, maybe discussing about, like, what kinds of spells right. are... Um, Give certain effects and things like that, for, yeah. For different stats. And, right. Um, maybe when you're looking at the the magic spells that each character has it go in depth because in the original version of eight um and any of the the remasters when you're going through the magic tab all it shows is a list of yeah eight pages of four different spells and it just shows you the spells it doesn't give you any information doesn't mm -hmm. tell you what it does you have to go a little bit further to try and figure that out and it, they could label each spell as offensive, uh, support, healing, yeah, things like that. Absolutely, I think um, that that's what they would to have make, to do to allow newcomers to say, "Okay, Curaga is obviously a healing spell. Asuna is a restorative kind of spell, mm -hmm. and things like that." I think really um, taking the onus off of the player to learn what they do. Yeah. by telling them a little bit more about the spell, I think would probably help. Yeah, my point is like, okay, what I'm envisioning is it, this is also similar to the way Final Fantasy VII Remake did weapons. So when you have a weapon, you can open up a menu and you can level up specific things in that weapon that might have certain effects. And it will tell you if you buy that, what it will upgrade. So what I'm imagining is you have a Guardian Force menu. You pull it up. It has an image of the Guardian Force. It has all, like, let, let's say, for example, you can junction five pieces of magic. It has five little things, and it will maybe say something like, yeah, like, curative spell plus 20 HP or, like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, something that's, like, solid that people can be like, whoa, if I put cure in here, I'm going to get this benefit out of it right yeah that's what i'm saying because that's the most intuitive way to do it that's showing people and it's it's simple enough that they can understand and i'm sure there will still be complexity with it but that comes for the players that take it to the next level right yeah. um that's what i'm kind of envisioning there another thing i just thought of was how uh typically throughout the game when the guardian forces are learning abilities they'll eventually learn those junctioning abilities that allow you to put uh, magic onto your strength stat, your HP stat, and things like that. I was almost thinking about having it as long as you had a Guardian Force junctioned to that character, that you can just, you automatically have that free range. While that would kind of broaden things uh, a bit, um, my suggestion then would be to say, okay, well, maybe not have magic boost, the st boost your stats as much as it would have originally in eight that that's kind of what i'm thinking and like to to give you an example again the weapon upgrades that you can get in seven remake like you might get 20 extra mp which is like not that much but it's not nothing right yeah you might get 20 extra hp 20 extra mp you might get a plus five percent boost to your physical attacks or something like like little things like that and i think that that's where they would have to go with it in order to keep it balanced and everything anyway 
because the boost obviously you're getting from the junction system and eight were uh, pretty high for the the later magic in the game. So yeah, uh, yeah, especially when you have a hundred of them. But also the game was pretty difficult. So at the end, you pretty much needed to utilize those, or else you weren't going to be able to beat the game. So um, sense. Okay. There are. Yeah. But okay. yeah. yeah. Say what you're going to say. No, I was just going to say in a sense because um, th there are people that took it one step further and added the challenge of not junctioning or yeah, uh, yeah. not junctioning magic or things like that. So there were ways to ramp up the difficulty, but there are, those are all player-imposed challenges, not um, not that the, the game was offering them as right. much. But then again, we're also talking about people who played it numerous times and know how to take advantage of the junction system. So. Okay. Um, next topic we're going to talk about fairly quickly, but let's talk about like limit breaks. Um, the one thing I will say from eight is that I did appreciate that, um, there was a little bit of play between timing, um, yeah. and limit breaks. I really like that kind of mechanic. There's a few games that utilize it that I'm a big fan of. Um, I think that that needs to stay because I think that is a core part of it. Um, Especially early on, limit breaks in eight aren't super powerful, but if you can exploit the timings and everything, um, you can actually do some serious damage. And especially later in the game when you can just string together limit breaks. But um, yeah, I'll say at its core value, I think they can keep it similar and just um, again, I don't know. Do they do timing in games anymore? I think that they do. Um, Probably like, yeah, you have a base damage level, and if you are able to time it correctly, which they could elaborate on, doesn't yeah. have to be a simple button press, maybe it's a few buttons at a certain time, you yeah. know, you get critical damage instead of normal damage. I think that would be nice. Um, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay. I think Limit Breaks really allowed 8 to be... I mean, in conjunction with the junction system anyway, allowed it to be as broken as it was because of being un being in that threshold where you can uh, very easily find limit breaks. You could just spam limit break after limit break. Oh, I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about if you got a limit break, I think that they should keep the inputs. I think that... Well, you're talking yes. about for the Renzo Kukin yes, and uh, yes, the timing yes. on that. Yes, okay. yes. I, I, I thought you were talking about limit right. breaks as a whole. No, no, no. Now we can talk about limit breaks as a whole. So, well, I do want to touch on that. I do. I okay. do like the timing for the Renzo Kukin. I do like the um, the almost fighting combo style for Zell's right. selfies is just kind of scrolling through magic. I feel like they can probably find a way to spruce that up or yeah. change her her limit break overall. Um, Quistus making her essentially a blue mage. Irvine in allowing him to use different ammo allows for more uh, creativity in what you want to do and allow for more options in battle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 8 has one of the strongest limit break systems because there's so yeah. much diversity and it really and does I, help you select like, okay, what? I was going to say I'm going to intentionally leave out Renoa because I want to I feel like we could probably touch on her a bit later okay but i i do appreciate the it really made you feel like if there was a certain limit break you wanted to use and obviously you would want to use that character at least with yeah. the seven remake everybody's limits are just powerful attacks and obviously like yeah i mean some of them might be better than others 
but there was no real strategy there, at least based off of that alone. So I definitely think that that's important. Well, if we are going to talk about limit breaks broadly, yes, I, I do feel like limit breaks would need a, um, a nerf in the way that, um, that they're you triggered. should be able to spam yeah. them. Yeah, I, I think um, I think we could probably settle for the same thing as like seven has, where you just over time you build it up and then you can use your limit break. I think I mean that's the only thing that makes sense. I don't know how they well, got away that, with uh, doing. Are this you talking about seven originally or the remake? Because I don't know how limit. I I think it remake. works almost the same in the remake. Okay, it's, so yeah, I would say that um, in order of the most balanced way to um, handle limit breaks. I feel like 10 is probably the most balanced because it allows the freedom for you to use normal attacks when you have your overdrive full. And then it would be seven in that you have the option to use your other stuff. And then you can use your limit when you feel it's necessary. Yeah. That's, that's the you have that yeah. gauge full. Um, but, be, but also but seven taking away that normal attack kind of thing is kind of wonky to me. Um, Eight was kind of how, essentially, once you're in a, a crisis kind of situation, you could still attack, or you could use the limit break. But I yeah. feel like Squall using Renzo Kukin, leading up to uh, Blasting Zone or something, and then the very next turn is able to use it again, and then he gets Lionheart. Yeah. It, that that's the thing it's like i like the whole idea of like oh when you're in crisis you can use it that's really cool but yeah just later in the game it just becomes really really uh silly the number of so times my you thinking can use is it. my thinking is you have a gauge yeah per character um that will fill up but the the more of a crisis that character's in that gauge will fill up faster I feel like that could also be exploited, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Not to say that you could fill it up in one turn. Yeah, the characters sure. One HP. Like, sure, sure. You can, but the rate might be slightly faster. Yeah, I think exactly. that that's fine. Um, I think actually Dragon Quest Eleven did something not like super similar, but you could mess around with the rate that which your special ability would build up. So I think yeah. that that's something you can play around with. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm just nerfing Final Fantasy VIII in the remake. There are just certain things that just didn't really like make sense to me that I, mean, I think were that they should change. Things yeah. that made it that if you knew how to exploit how to it, exploit it yeah. that you can just breeze through the game. Right, which right. I mean is fine for me. I mean that option, ha having that option available to people that want to use it that way, is great because people should be allowed to play the game however they want. Right. But for other people that can be a turnoff and saying oh well this game's just too easy yeah next thing i have on the list is drawing i'm not sure if we really need to have a whole conversation about drawing so drawing is the essentially the act of using one of your character's ability slots to be able to grab magic from enemies essentially and it's so much of a core aspect of the game. I don't think that they can really change it. I think it has to coexist or it has to exist in some sense. Um, but they, they could play around maybe with how it actually works. Like, I, I don't know. Do you have any ideas there? I feel like drawing should not take up an ability slot. I think yeah. it should be an innate thing Agreed. that they should have that can be in the magic tab 
Yes. Um, you go into magic, draw. Okay. Then you pick your. Then you pick the enemy. Right. You pick who to draw. And obviously, from. it would waste your turn. I don't think it should yeah. be something that doesn't waste because, a turn. But yeah, it should waste your turn yeah. because it did so in yes. eight originally. Yeah, and it just makes sense. It'd be way too good if you could just continuously draw. But I'm gonna draw while I'm yeah using something else. Yeah. Or, or again, I could maybe foresee a very specific type of attack that you could use that would draw specifically. Like um, a mug. Yeah. Like a yeah, like exactly. a magical mug. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be fine as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that opens up a lot of different possibilities. Right, right. Um, and having stuff like that. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think that, that that's probably all we need to say about it, unless you want to go in any more detail than that. I just wanted uh, to mention it because obviously it's a mechanic that they've really never used again. Um, yeah, it's pretty. And unique. I think because there was, I think there was, I feel like it was because there was just a lot of backlash between the draw system and the junction system. Yeah, I think the combo was really and the fact crazy. That when you're junctioning magic, you're effectively lowering your stats if you're using magic that you have junctioned. Yes. So it, it, there's that that play between like, oh, well, I want to draw all this, all, all these Ultima spells because I want to junction into my strength stat, but now I can't use them because then my character becomes weaker. Yeah, that's... Um, maybe we can talk about that as a whole, but again, that is a dilemma. And I think that that aspect is kind of an interesting dilemma because it, it does... I think if they were balanced, imagine you had pure balance and you said, okay, I have this Ultima spell, but it's also contributing to the power of my character or the stats of my character. I can either use it and do a lot of damage and then I have a one-time use, or I can keep it and get whatever benefit I'm having from it. If that was closely looked at and balanced, I think it could be super interesting and I think it would make really good gameplay. But I think that, that you just would have a lot of problems trying to keep that equal. Yeah, I right? mean, that would, that would in, just in general, excuse me, be a very hard thing to balance. Yeah, but I think if they could play around with that that would be super super interesting con uh like gameplay i do have some ideas but we could touch on that okay um later on when we all right when so we go in depth in that topic right we'll move on from draw um again just quickly wanted to mention seed rank do you want to talk about seed rank at all uh what is that so seed rank <laughs> is like you're you're a seed soldier essentially or a seed member in final fantasy 8 and as you do like missions and stuff you level up your seed rank and every x amount of time you get paid because of your seed rank do you remember this it, it's such really? a small I, I thing i haven't noticed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I'm, I'm just making light of it i know yeah, it's probably one of the most pointless things in the game exactly um I was just trying to think if maybe there was any way that they could make it actually cool. And let's make not, it relevant. Yeah, let's well let's not discredit in the beginning of the game. The amount of money you're getting in the beginning of the game is pretty useful and you can buy items with it. Yeah. It just eventually becomes a point where you're just like, this is so random and I don't care. Um I don't know. Maybe it could be more of like I'm thinking like, I don't know, maybe it can somehow relate to like something you collect or something like maybe there's something that you find and if you grab it it will increase the amount of money you can earn or something i don't know reward players for going above and beyond somehow i'm not sure yeah. I, I don't know in order to do that they would have to add in a bunch of different elements that yeah interact exactly. with your role as a seed right member. like maybe you find like diaries of other seed members 
And because of that, you know, you get some new understanding and it, it buffs something. But again, I, I don't know. It's just something I'm thinking, and especially well, and from a lore good... perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to feed into the lore a little bit, what could be done is having things um, more options of, okay, do I want to help this person or should I let them handle it themselves? Right. And having those kind of options, like what happens in the, the Battle of Garden with Norg that's, and the that's cultists. That's a good point, yeah. How you don't have to fight. I think there's maybe one or two mandatory fights in that in that little section where you're going to each hall to um, to help people. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fight those. You could let them handle it, and then there and then they have different outcomes. Right. I feel like having more options like that would allow you to. I mean, for some people that want to avoid gain, gaining experience. Or for people who are just like, eh, I think I feel like they can handle it. I want to go and focus on this instead. I feel like it giving those options with repercussions of, oh, this is going to affect my seed level. That that yeah, help that. that's actually a really good idea, because you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. There, you're adding an additional feature that people could or couldn't take advantage of, but it also has consequence, right? I think yeah. that that's super interesting. Yeah, that sounds really good. Actually, we should pitch that but there, to Square. There Enix. does need to be more. There needs to be more than just that for the seed rank because yeah. it's so. It's it's barely noticeable at the beginning, and they don't really explain too much on how to raise your rank other exactly. than doing battles and taking exams. Yep, and I I I know that for me, the first playthrough I didn't pay attention to it at all. The second playthrough I wanted to get the platinum trophy which you had to reach the max seed rank. And then I'm like, how yeah. do you even raise seed rank? And then I like found exactly. out how to do it and took the exams and I'm like, that was random. <laughs> yeah, the exams are probably the best way to raise your seed rank yeah. because yep. outside of that, you end up halted somewhere between 11 and 7. Mhm. It, it was So it, it almost doesn't even make sense. Okay. So uh, adding, adding more of a purpose and a better understanding in how to raise it, yes. I feel like would probably do it more justice. Um, let's talk about Triple Triad, the best mini game that exists. Okay, ever. but okay the again, best mini game that exists. Yes, ever. Let's let's first talk about it, and we're not going to talk about any of the complicated things. We're talking about the core game. Imagine Gwent. We're we're just going to talk about the card game. So if anyone's not familiar who's watching this, because not everybody partakes in Triple Triad who plays the game. It is an in-game card game that you can win. You can play other people, NPCs, win their cards. And it's super, super interesting. It's pretty simple until you get into the more complex rules. Um, unfortunately, I think if they were to make a remake, I'm they could definitely make it as big of a, I, I think they have to make it as big of a feature. I'm just not sure they're going to keep the all of the elements that you can do with the cards. Like I think if if I could get exactly what I wanted, I would just get the card game and the fact that you can win cards from other players and that they might just be cosmetic and maybe you can just look at your collection, you know what I mean? <laughs> like visually. I think that that would yeah. probably be what they should do with it, honestly. Now, while this is going to maybe sound contradictory, mm-hmm. I do like that the card game had an impact in 
the main game with right. regards to card mod injunction. And again, that's something we can touch on later. Um, so I think keeping it as a cosmetic thing kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Okay. Okay. Here's my proposal then is like, again, I'm, I'm now I'm comparing to Witcher three. Cause I think they did a really good job in Witcher three of how to implement Gwent. So it's like, for the most part, you don't have to play Gwent at all. I think there's like one or two quests that involve Gwent, but you don't even necessarily have to do it. Or like, there's like, I think there's a mission where you have to play somebody, but it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You just play them, right? And I think yeah. that that's what they have to be careful of. I think there can be other elements, but I don't think the benefits of them can be so high that you're almost forced to do it. You know what I'm saying? I think well, here's the thing. Yeah. Card triple triad in final fantasy 8 is 100 percent optional yeah you get the cards from talking to an npc in a hallway going to the elevator right right you don't talk to him you don't get the cards. that's true so that yeah that might be the way to do it but i'm just saying like uh i guess eventually we have to get into the part where we talk about all of the things you can do with the cards um yeah i mean the card game in and of itself is very fun it yes. does uh, it does add there's a lot of strategy that can be involved um and while it can be frustrating at times with certain rules sometimes it makes things that much more interesting even if it's not um fully understood you know what i mean yeah and all i'm saying is square enix if you ever make this remake please make a full set of triple triad cards that you sell with the collector's edition thank you and a standalone triple triad game. It will sell. And is, <laughs> and also a standalone triple triad game. And yes, I know that they already have the cards. They exist, but they're expensive. So thank you. Thank you for my public service announcement. Um, okay, I guess, I guess for the time being, let's move on from triple triad. We'll come back to it when we talk about card modding, I guess. Um, um, so... We mentioned in the beginning, Guardian Forces are essentially the summons of Final Fantasy VIII, but there are actually a lot of differences compared to most of the traditional Final Fantasy games. So the biggest one being you have Guardian Forces, you can swap them around to whatever you want. They can give you stat bonuses if you junction them, but let's not even consider that. When you call them out, they will come out. It will be a certain amount of time that they have to attack. And if you take damage when they are out, your summon is actually taking damage for you. So later in the game, you can actually utilize your guardian forces just to take damage for you um, if you want. And then they actually die and you have to revive them. So again, I like this personally because it's so different and I think it's so interesting. It adds a lot of complexity to the game. Um, but there are parts of the game where you just the only thing to do is just constantly use guardian forces. The other thing I forgot to mention is that you can have multiple guardian forces and use them all simultaneously. There's no limit on how many times you can use them as long as they are alive. Um, so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. I want to see what, what Zeta's um, opinion is about it. I mean, there should be more support guardian forces. Right. Like Carbuncle, I think, is really the only one that... Uh, yeah, Carbuncle's the only one that provides support. Yeah, I think he is. Cerberus yeah. is the only one that provides utility. Right. Most of the... The rest of them just deal damage. Yeah, they're just damage. And more status effects. Right. 
there needs to be more than more so, diversity there. Right. So let, let, let's hypothetically come up with something again. I'll, I'll mention how Final Fantasy VII Remake works. It's kind of similar. So you will, after a certain amount of time, you are able to summon, which I think is also something we need to do. There needs to be some kind of limit on when you are allowed to use a Guardian Force. I don't think you should just be able to always use a Guardian Force, unless it was limited, like, the number of times you could use it per battle. Um, then once the summon comes out, it's controlled by AI, it just runs around, you can select one or two different types of abilities, and then eventually it uses a super powerful attack, and then it will go away. It's just out for a certain amount of time. So that's kind of similar in a way, because that's... That's kind of how the Guardian's forces worked. Like, you would use them. They would use a very specific attack most of the time for most of them. Um, and then, eventually, they would attack, and then they would leave. And um, so, I'm not sure how we can get somewhere in between these two things and still make it seem interesting. Because I do really like the aspect of them being able to die, them being able to tank damage for you. Like... Again, to explain for people who might not be aware, when your Guardian Force is out, your character is gone, essentially. Like, they're not on the play field anymore. They can't be affected, right? Yeah, so, so when you summon them, there's just an animation that plays while the Guardian Force is out, and then when that animation's done, it switches back to your party. Right. Um, but while you're casting that summon, I again i agree i like the fact that they can tank damage for you and i mean at worst be a sacrificial lamb right. to keep a character alive i like that aspect um would i like to see that back in a potential remake yes w if they got rid of it would i be upset probably not probably not um one thing I was thinking is that when you were explaining it is maybe it could be two aspects. Maybe your guardian force could come out and tank damage for you. And also, if you did that, you'd probably be penalized when you actually use them to attack. So you would, again, it would come up with an interesting decision where you say, in this battle, do I want to use Ifrit to tank damage? Or do I want to use his fire ability that's going to deal a lot of damage to the enemy that I'm fighting? You know what I mean? Because they are guardian forces, right? So they're, they're one type of summon that actually makes it seem like they're there to protect you and not just to do offense, right? So... Yeah. Having that option of um, summoning them to be offensive or defensive is a little... I mean, I don't really know how I would describe that. Yeah. Um, I... It, I want to go back and just reiterate the point that I think that they should be more diverse and allowing right. each yeah, one to absolutely. do more different things, therefore allowing the strategy. And instead of saying, well, do I want Ifrit to defend? No, yeah. I want Ifrit to do damage. I'm going to summon Carbuncle so I get right. Shell and Reflect right. on all my characters. And yeah. I think if they do go the route of having it as like an AI-controlled thing, I feel like um, maybe if you summon someone like Carbuncle that you don't put shell protect and reflect on all at once maybe it's a uh, over time hmm. um will carbuncle will target your characters and say okay here you go now you all have protect okay now you have shell now you have shell now you have reflect you have shell yeah like i think doing it maybe that way um but it, it's an odd thing because personally i would want 
I, I'm torn on whether or not I want actual control over the Guardian Force, or if I want it to just be a summon, do damage, or do its effect and, and uh, get out. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm torn. And I think that this is actually, which is kind of weird if you ask me, I think this is actually one of the things that I think they have the most the most potential to really change it up because I think that the way that it was was so old school and I don't think they would ever make a game like that that would do something similar to that anymore where you're literally forced yeah. to channel your guardian force and stuff and just it's just like not the way that games are working right now so I think that they would probably implement it similarly to seven and maybe like what you said where I would hope that the summons would all have their own identity and do different types of things. And like, maybe one would just come out and tank for you. And that would be his thing. Like Titan or, I mean, Titan's in that game, right? I can't even remember. No, he's not. No. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But you could take a beefy summon. Alexander is. Alexander, but yeah, but then he, Alexander is usually holy. So I know. Yeah, I'm, di- I'm just I mean, saying. Holy you could, healing. Yeah. 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 That kind yeah. of thing is kind of, I, I almost, when I think of holy as like, uh, a concept i almost think paladin yeah i always think paladin, i yeah. associate with like defense even yeah, though it's like that's true. an offensive stat too not not a stat, or again it could be magic. a duality thing yeah maybe you you use alexander to tank and cure you or you use him to cast holy now one thing and this is just a spitball idea and i don't know how this would even play out logistically or um with regards to memory and with uh, with consoles and computers yeah, sure. and stuff, but the idea of being able to have each character summoning their guardian force like they normally would in eight, but then they would all be on the field at once, controlled by AI and all doing different things. I feel like would allow. I think some they strategy. could do that. Yeah, but I feel like that gives it an opportunity for oh well, just summon everything every time and yeah well you would have to limit it but i i think that that is i would definitely want to see because i think it's just part of the game is like in my opinion for the eight remake i would want to see if there was a guardian force out there were no the original character like squall would not be there like if any of them were out it would make no sense to have an ai control them so yeah player controlled but for someone like carbuncle like how would that work then like if you summon Carbuncle, what's Carbuncle just going to stay on the field? Then now Carbuncle has no support kind of identity there. Yeah, unless, yeah, that's true. Unless he could cast spells on the players that aren't there, so that when they do come, yeah, back, yeah, that could be, I, yeah, yeah, it could be. They're so it. I, I believe me. I don't think I don't think they'll do it like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't very, I don't think confusing. they would make it so that the main characters were not there anymore. It would be additionally, but anyway. Um, so I definitely do feel like that, that, that would have the most potential of being completely different. Cause there's just a lot of possibilities there and the way that it is, is not going to stay for sure. If they ever do. Yeah. Anything. But I will say it is probably the highest potential of, um, just chaotic and, yeah. uh, just kind of, if it, I feel like if it's handled wrong, it'll be horrible. <laughs> yeah, if exactly. It's properly, it, it'll turn out to probably be one of the best design ideas in the game but mm. do i know what would make it work ideally i don't i have yeah no it was funny because i had like brainstormed about this before and in my head it sounded like a good idea and when we had this conversation i was like i don't think any of these ideas would actually work um i think aesthetics of the characters i think everybody 
looks pretty good and they could make them definitely look good. I mean, the seven remake, they did an amazing job. I think they really kept everyone's uh, character models pretty similar, but elaborated on some characters that like red 13 sticks out to me because obviously in the PS one version, he, you don't even, you can't even really tell like what he is. He's just like, it's just this little monster thing. And they really fleshed his character out. They gave him a really cool voice and everything like that. So I'm hyped on that. But the one thing that sticks out in my mind is Zell's tribal tattoos on his face. Why, um, you mean Mike Tyson? Yeah. Number one, that's a good point, is that if they were to make the game and he's in it and still has that tattoo, he would probably get sued by Mike Tyson. No joke. Because it's a very... Rem I, I think I heard that Mike Tyson even sued Hangover because the Hangover, they got it like a Mike Tyson tattoo. Well, um, so I'm pretty sure know. Zell's character was inspired by Mike Tyson. So, yeah, but I, I, I'm it, saying it I think that they, could, yeah, I just don't know if they'd be able to get away with it is what I'm saying. And I'm wondering, I think they could, I think it, at the okay. very least they could settle. Well, let's say if they couldn't though, what would you want to see from them that could keep the core? I mean, obviously his personality is still going to be the same, right? Do you yeah, think... you don't change the personality. Right, right. But do you think you could like keep that. Zell, take away I mean, his tattoo, and still have his same, the same personality? I think absolutely. Yeah, I think you could do that. But yeah. I think there, you can maybe play around with it and maybe not have it exactly the same. Maybe just a little different if that if that's the issue, if it looks Right, that's what identical. I'm thinking as well. I think you can have a subtle face tattoo that still makes him seem like he's a tough dude, but at the same time not be like that if you look at the image it's like it's like half of his face it really is it's it's pretty big yeah, but i mean let's um, let's really be honest here can you copyright a tattoo I, i'm <laughs> we're not gonna get into the details of mike tyson but yeah i don't think so technically i i think it it's something that we're kind of just blowing up out of nowhere and i don't really think it's gonna have much of a relevance when you're really dig into it i think no i don't That's think so either. my opinion there I, I just have a feeling like if they were going to do it i think honestly they would remove it completely i think but if we yeah if we were going to talk yeah. about that i think that you could still i think yes you can take away that uh that face those markings on zell's face the tattoos and not change the personality i think you still have the same character yeah okay That's... but let, let's keep it like a proactive conversation so Maybe let's get your opinion on, do you think they should keep it? What could they tweak to make it better going forward? Make it accessible later in the game. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think I think you keep it, you make yep. it accessible much later, because as it stands, when you get Quizzicoddle, it's 40 AP to learn card and another 80 to learn card mod. You can You could get that before you even leave for Timber. Okay, so yeah, let's just say that, and I think that's the best way of saying it is RPGs are known for giving you really powerful things, but much later in the game, so you can't exploit them in the beginning of the game. It's not like they give you ultimate weapon in the beginning of the game. Like, what's the fun in that, right? Yeah, I mean... Essentially. Uh, you, can, you can break your characters as early as... really the end of disc one is when you can really just have everything you need to just coast through the rest of the game if you know what you're doing yeah A allowing card mod like to be available later on maybe even having like a dedicated place to card 
mod where yeah, you can bring that, the, yeah, written, sure. where like you'll go around playing cards you'll collect the cards and then later on you find it um i don't know the queen of cards she'll now travel around the world um collecting cards and spreading rules and also you can trade in your cards for items and um, be able to use those items to refine magic. So, I think that's yeah, actually would, a really great all, idea. I think that would solve like that a lot of the issues. Good, a good yeah, to really nerf card mod. And that that does seem like something they would. The, yeah, and it seems like that would be something that they could actually implement in a modern game. Like I feel like I've seen systems like that. Not only that, it, it, it would partially incentivize like traveling back and forth to different right. areas. Or I'm even thinking like maybe she's only in very specific locations so you have to be at a certain point in the game to even get these items right not even no. tracking her down but they're like oh well you don't even see her until three-fourths of the way done with the game right three-fourths of the way is a little yeah I, okay okay but, but even I the things that, that she you, offers like, you could be worse I think that well here's another thing she doesn't ha like she might it might be like uh, like a limited time offer kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, give us five geezer cards and we'll give you screws uh, when uh, when when you first meet her. Maybe she has like a limited option of things. That's what I'm saying. And then yeah. as you as you progress and you find her more and more, it, you kind of unlock more things and she'll maybe she'll notice. Oh, you have the Quistus card. Well, I can give you three Samantha souls for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think if it has to work. Keep the same items that is. It has to work the same as like an accessory shop, weapon shop, etc. It has to I, just yeah, build I think with that's, time. That's, yeah, yes, but also make it more, um, more rewarding. You have to, to do it look more. for it yeah. to find it. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. The one thing I almost forgot to talk about—that's a big mechanic in the game—is let's talk about the fact that enemies level up based off your own level. I, I mean, it's a it's a good and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah, and again, going forward, would it be something that you think they should include? I, I personally think that it's probably something that we would not see. Because even though it was a really good idea, I think the only people that are going to be looking for it are really the super fans that want to relive that experience. And if they want to do that, they can always play the original or play the remaster, etc., having enemies level up with you i think yeah. allows the game to scale more um i think if they were to to keep it to probably scale enemy stats more so that way you get not punished more for leveling up but like instead of saying I don't know. I feel like there there could be a, a way to scale it so that when you level up, that's how you can make the game more difficult. Or maybe... What about even an extra maybe, mode? Maybe in reverse. Maybe the enemies are harder early on, and then when you level up, they don't scale as much, so your characters start to out-level the mm. enemies. I, I was thinking mostly just maybe doing a separate mode that's like... Hey, do you Maybe want to like play in a... mode where the enemies will level up with you instead of having them at set levels? I think that it could be like a hardcore mode I mean, or just... something. I mean, that's that's the question. Does it, yeah. it, that brings in the question, is it actually, actually harder, harder. Yeah, to have I agree. enemies level up with you or to have them at a set level? Yeah. If you have them at a set level, then yeah, you can argue that you could just grind past that level yeah. and then you can beat them no problem versus fighting Omega Weapon at level 100. 
Yeah, it is. It's an interesting duality, and it it also makes me wonder. I've never actually looked into it, but it almost to me seems like the reason they did it was because they got a little bit lazy and they didn't want to level out all of the enemies to specific levels where they were just like, "Hey, we need we have this mechanic where." The stronger you get, the stronger the enemies get, and it's like, oh, that's good. You know, that's. I nice. would probably argue against the laziness because you yeah. would have to you would have to factor in that the enemies scale up, so you would have to have a scaling thing and, like, yes, you don't have to. You set don't have to say, okay, this guy is only level thirty. Level, yeah, but you do have to worry about the scaling of them, and you have to balance the the, the scaling on each one of them. Yeah, that's true. So that's I think true. that adds in more work. Yeah. So I don't know that that's also an interesting one. I think that would also make her break, but that's why I'm saying like I think that overall they would probably keep it so enemies are defined levels cuz players although a lot of more casual players might not like the grind, everybody likes the the idea of getting stronger and then just blowing through things. Like that's kind of what makes RPGs interesting to a lot of people is that you can sit there and put in the time and you will be able to do it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that they kind of need to keep that. Yeah, I agree. So I think that pretty much covers all of our topics. Um, I really enjoyed having you on Zeta. I uh, am looking forward to hopefully someday getting this remake. And uh, if anybody who's watching this has any feedback or anything in the game, if there was a remake that they would want to see, or they would do things completely differently than us, like we're idiots, uh, just let us know in the comments. And I'm going to leave a link to Zeta's channel in there as well, so you guys can check that out. And be on the lookout for further podcasts where we talk with people who really enjoy specific games. Peace. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Schnick. I, I really enjoyed this. I hope to be back soon. Me too. Thank you.